If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful era of Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you. Great to share some ideas. I know it's been some weeks since we've been together. I've been away, but I'm back and thrilled to be with you. And to talk about the Parsha, to talk about life, to talk about those incredible issues of life that sometimes are perplexing, sometimes are challenging, sometimes we wonder what it's really all about. Life is not a simple experience. Life is complex. Life is complicated. But life is immensely great. Life is this wonderful gift that God gave us. But in order to live life fully, in order to understand life as much as we can, in order to know what, in fact, our mission in life is really all about, we turn to Torah. Torah is called Torah Chaim, the Torah of life. And not only the Torah of life, because it gives us a certain method of how to live and by which we have to live, but Torah is great because it enables us to understand that Torah is the essence of life. The essence of life is far beyond the simple experiences of life. Yes, the experiences of life are those things that we go through, those elements that we are conscious of. But the essence of life is far deeper than that. It's the powerful center of who and what we are, not only of who and what we are, but who and what all of creation is all about and what we as individuals have to contribute to that incredible concept of creation. This is what Torah tells us. This is what Torah is called Torah Chaim, the Torah of life. And as is explained in Hasidut, there are two types of laws. There are laws that come about as a result of life, and there are those laws that create life. In other words, those laws that come about as a result of life, we have a society, and in order for that society to function, we have all sorts of rules and regulations. Take, for instance, traffic. In order for traffic to flow safely and speedily, Throughout any community, there are certain rules and regulations, robots, traffic lights, whatever it is that regulate those particular laws without which there would be chaos in the streets. Those are the type of laws that come about as a result of life. However, Torah creates life. Every single mitzvah, every single commandment is not only something that we do in order to better our lives. Of course, it does better our lives, but it also creates life. It connects us to the essence of our neshamas, to the essence of our souls. It connects us to our creator. It connects us, well, to each other and to all of creation. It gives meaning. It gives substance. It creates life in the fullest sense of the word. And this is why on a weekly basis we learn the Parsha of the week because each Parsha has its particular magnificent message that we should understand and live by, that we should learn, we should study, we should implement into our lives. And this week's Parsha, of course, is Nasso. We'll talk about that in a moment, but what's interesting is it's the Parsha that comes right after the festival of Shavuot. At the beginning of the week, we celebrated the incredible festival of Revelation at Sinai, something which is unbelievable in terms of what 
it brought about. It brought about a tremendous change in all of creation. It was a world that was divided spiritually and materially. The higher realms, the lower realms, the world above and the world below. God created a world initially that was separated by a very, very strict line of demarcation the world above and the world below, and there was very little interaction between the two. Yes, of course, there were individuals, there were some, that were able to make that journey from the higher to the lower and from the lower to the higher, but by and large, the world was a divided space. What happened at Har Sinai, what happened at Mount Sinai, what happened at Matan Torah, Revelation at Sinai, is God brought a new law into being. The higher came down into the lower. The lower was able to elevate the higher. A sense of unity was introduced. A sense of unity became the new order of the day. It was a moment of great joy through all of creation. A moment of great change. A moment of miraculous change. A moment when all of creation began to act in harmony in order to fulfill the will of Creator. Up to that point, there was conflict, there was division, there was separation. There wasn't absolute clarity in each of the worlds as to what the ultimate purpose was because they were limited to their own specific space, both the lower and the higher worlds. With Matan Torah, it says, Vayered Hashem, God descended upon the mountain. And what happened to Jewish people were able to elevate to a higher level as a result of the tremendous, tremendous preparation of the experience, the 49 steps, which brought them to the 50th level, a level normally unattainable through human effort. This is what Torah brought about. This is what Matan Torah brought about. This is what we celebrate on Shavuot. And therefore, what follows after Shavuot has to be a carry-through. What is it that we experienced that we are able to take away from Sinai? And we think to ourselves, is it possible to take anything away? Revelation, God himself bringing his own being into a presence in front of all these people, all of Israel, millions of people standing round the mountain witnessing this incredible episode, God himself coming down. A thunderous voice calling out the Asereta di Brot of Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments which indicate the basis for all of Jewish law. Yes, of course, there are 613 commandments, but we are told that all the laws are actually encapsulated in the first two of the Ten Commandments. The first being the positive, I am God, your God, the faith in one God. And, of course, the second, the prohibition against idolatry, all the negative laws, those prohibitions, things we cannot do. Everything flows from those two commandments. What can possibly come after that? What is it that we take away? Can we actually re-experience that incredible moment? Can we actually re-experience revelation? Can we actually re-experience that which took place, that enormous event that changed all of creation, that changed the entire world? The entire world stood by all of creation. The higher worlds and the lower worlds stood by and witnessed this, interacted, received revelation, received the Torah. 
What possibly can be taken away from all of that? And this is why when we come to the Torah portion that we read, the Shabbos, after Matan Torah, we have to think to ourselves, what is contained within this Parsha? What is this Parsha really all about that enables us to take that experience and to carry it further? And when we say carrying it we mean carrying it forward, carrying it higher. The experience of yesterday, no matter how great, becomes only a stepping stone to the experience of today. If we remain on the same level, we in fact have gone backwards, which brings even a greater question to mind. What could possibly be greater than Revelation at Sinai? That was the ultimate experience. And if that was yesterday, and I have to go forward and higher today, what possibly, what possible higher level can I get to, or must I go to, higher than Revelation at Sinai? And this is an ongoing experience, and this is why. When I come to the Parsha of Nasa, I have to ask myself, what is it about this Parsha, which is a stepping stone, that elevates me, my experience of yesterday, yes, the experience of Matan Torah to a far higher level. Matan Torah was the ultimate, wasn't it? Matan Torah was the absolute revelation of God upon earth, which changed all of creation, and intermingling and intermeshing between the higher and lower worlds. What greater thing can there be? And yet, I have to continue going forward and upward. What is it that is higher, in a sense, even than Matan Torah, even than Revelation at Sinai? And this is why Torah, which is eternal, tells us this is what it's all about, contained within this Parsha. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how to carry forward the experience at Sinai, and not only carry it forward, but upward. What can be greater than Revelation at Sinai, where God himself came down on the mountain and changed all of creation? We come back to that question. How is it possible to experience anything, or to, in fact, do anything that's greater than Revelation at Sinai? And this is why when we beat the Parsha of Nassau, we have an inkling, a bit of an insight, as to the answer to that incredibly difficult question. Nassau is always read either immediately before or immediately after Shavuot, which tells us that the Parsha has a very powerful connection to Shavuot. Whatever Shavuot means, whatever is the substance of Shavuot, is very much connected with this Parsha because of the fact that it's adjacent, either immediately before or after. And therefore, the Parsha of Nassau carries within it the secret, the message, of how to either prepare for Shavuot, but this year it carries the message of how to carry it further for following the experience of Shavuot. The opening words are, God spoke to Moshe, Nassau et Rosh B'nei Gershom, Gam which, well, translated simply means count the people of the Gershon Levitt family, etc., etc., etc. 
but as we've often talked about in the past, Turbury uses a strange language when it speaks about counting the people or counting a specific group within the people. It doesn't say count, it says elevate the head. Interesting words. But why would Torah use such language when simpler language could be used, when in fact counting is the message? And the answer is because counting is not a simple, a simple process of going through numbers. Counting means that you recognize the individual and by so doing you elevate the individual to a higher level. But what does Torah say? It doesn't only say elevate the individual, the person, to a higher level. Elevate the head, the soet rosh. Now, the head is the highest part of the individual. Physically, of course, it's the highest part of the body. And in a sense, it carries the brain, which we are told, in a sense, is the vessel for the soul. It's the highest physical and spiritual part of the body. What do you mean elevate? Isn't it already the highest? What could be higher than the head? And if the head is the seat of intellect, the brain, logic, what's higher than that? There'll be those who argue, well, of course, there's something higher than logic. What's higher than logic? Super logic. Something that we can't understand. Or faith, emunah. True, those are higher than logic. But in a sense, there's something even higher than that. What's higher than super logic and faith? Action. We often think to ourselves that action is lower, lower than intellect. Intellect is refined. Intellect indicates an elevated state of consciousness and being. Whereas action, action is a physical thing. We do things. How can you possibly compare the two? But ultimately, when you consider it deeply, action, in a sense, is far higher than intellect. Let's take a look at the context of where this particular instruction is given to Moshe from God. It says, count the people of the tribe of Gershom within the Levites, also them. Why also them? Because we just finished counting the family of Kahot, and now we're going to count the family of Gershon, and afterwards Merari. And the commentaries ask an obvious question. If we're counting the entire tribe of the Levites of Calabium, and we're talking about that which they are compelled to do their duties within the Mishka, within the tabernacle, why count one family in the previous Parsha and two families in the second Parsha? Why not count all of them together in one parsha, either in the previous parsha of Bamidbar or in this parsha of Nasa? Why do we separate the family of Kohot and the families of Gershon and Merari? And there are those who answer, well, after all, Kohot had a far greater stature. They carried the holy vessels. In fact, they carried the ark. Whereas the families of Gershon and Merari, they carried the tapestries, they carried the, the, the beams, the pillars, etc., etc., which wasn't, in a sense, as important as God. And one would think, therefore, this is why we separate the two, the three, well, the first and the second and the third. 
But no, that's not the reason. It says gam heim, they as well. Not only they as well, to indicate, well, them also. But gam heim. Gam can also be translated, they are equally important. And perhaps in a sense, even far more important. Because very often, we make the mistake of assessing the value of individuals based upon their appearance, based upon what they actually do. And therefore, we attribute great status to those who are important within society, to those who have, well, important duties and responsibilities, whereas those who appear to have lesser duties and responsibilities, we consider them to be secondary. We consider them to be second best. Torah says, no, gam heim, nasoet rosh. You elevate their heads as well, because their duties and their responsibilities, even though it may appear to be, in a sense, not as important, but an actual fact, they ultimately fulfill responsibilities and duties that enable everybody, even the highest, to fulfill theirs. Every single individual, regardless of their status and stature, fulfills duties that enables the other to fulfill theirs. Gershon and Kahus are uh, Gershon and Merari are counted separately, not to indicate, God forbid, that they are lower, but to indicate that they are equal to Kahus, and in a sense even higher than Kahus. Gamain, they too. We speak about it in the positive, uplifting tone. Why is that? Because that which appears to be more of an action, more of a physical activity, which might appear to some to be a lower type of action, a lower type of status, in fact, is higher. And the same is the concept of the post-Shavuot era. Shavuot was miraculous, standing at Sinai, witnessing the revelation of God, seeing all of creation tremble, seeing all of creation change. What can be greater than that? The implementation. Taking that experience and making it work, making it real, putting it into action, What's higher than the head? What's higher than logic? What's higher than super logic? What's higher than faith? Action. Oh, some would say, no, action is physical. Action is ordinary. These are refined. These are philosophical. These deal with philosophical spiritual matters. Yes, they do. But that's not the ultimate purpose of creation. The ultimate purpose of creation is within the physical realm. The actual doing of something. Just imagine. Just imagine if the great painters of the world had these incredible images in their head, but never brought it into fruition. They never painted their pictures. The Michelangelo's, the Rembrandt's. The world would be a poorer place because those magnificent paintings wouldn't be here. They would be in the heads of the artists, but they wouldn't be hanging on the walls to give pleasure to the entire world. Or think of the great musicians of the world. Think of a Beethoven or a Mozart. 
And think of the music that they created. If they allowed it to remain in their heads, their heads would be filled with magnificent sound, with magnificent music. But the world wouldn't benefit. It's only when the artist, it's only when the musician brings it into the physical realm that we see the majesty of color, that we see the greatness of sound. It's the implementation, the doing of greatness that is greater than the creativity within the brain. What's greater than a great idea? Bringing that idea into practical application. And how much more so when it comes to the teachings of the great sages. We start the cycle of Pirkei Avot, the ethics of fathers, the Shabbat, once more. If those great sages kept those words of wisdom of their own experiences, how to refine life, how to elevate ourselves to themselves, oh, they would remain great men but they wouldn't be great teachers, they wouldn't be great leaders. What truly made them great is they took those ideas, they put them into words, and they shared those ideas with each and every one of us. What's greater than a great idea is the implementation of that idea. Post-revelation is action, and action is the greatest thing of all. When we take something that we truly believe in and we make it work, and not only do we make it work, but we make it real through our own actions, this is what the elevation of the post-Shabu'ot experience is all about. Yes, <laughs> nothing can compare to Revelation at Sinai. But what's greater than that is we don't walk away and say, wow, that was a wonderful experience. That was a mind-blowing sensation. That was quite unbelievable. But we walk away and we say, I have taken that which I have experienced, and now I'm going to make it part of my life and share it with others as well. I'm going to make this world a better place. I'm going to make this world a greater place. I'm going to become part and parcel of taking creation and elevating it to its ultimate purpose. That is greater than the experience itself. And this is what Nasso tells us. Nasso et Rosh, elevate the head. The head is the highest. There's something higher. What's higher than the head? It's action. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the fact that the post-revelation experience is action, and that, in a sense, is even higher, to a certain degree, than revelation itself. We're talking about that interesting concept of how action can be higher than the experience of revelation, where what's greater than a great idea is bringing the great idea into a practical reality. And this is why, at the end of the Parsha, the end of the Parsha, we read about how Moshe, the greatest of all the prophets, in fact, the greatest Jew that ever lived, he was able to hear the voice of God, the same sound that everybody heard at 
Sinai. He was able to hear that all his life. Nobody else could. Only Moshe. Because he was able to take the entire experience with him. Nobody else could. We take aspects. We apply it. We elevate. We come to a higher level. But what did Moshe do with that experience? What did Moshe actually do with the fact that he was able to elevate his own experience to such a high level that he was able to retain that sound all his life? Did he keep it to himself? As mentioned before, this Shabbos, we start the second cycle of Pirkei Avot. We go throughout the months leading up to Rosh Hashanah. We continue studying Pirkei Avot, the ethics of fathers, every Shabbos afternoon. And how does it all begin? It says, Moshe built Torah with Sinai. Moshe received the Torah at Sinai. What did he do with it? Did he keep it for himself? Did he read Realize that the others weren't of the same spiritual, intellectual level as he, and therefore couldn't receive it properly. No. When Musarelli Yeshua, he passed it on intact, all of it, to Joshua. And what did Joshua do with it? He gave it to the elders. Subsequently, the elders gave it to the prophets, and the prophets passed it on to the men of the high assembly, and so on and so forth. This is the great tradition within Judaism. The experience of Sinai was handed over from generation to generation, from one set of leaders to the others, intact. Nobody compromised Torah. Nobody cut it down. Nobody changed it. It was passed on to each and every single generation, and each and every single generation was told, this is the same truth that Moshe heard at Sinai and heard all his life. Our job is to take Torah, yes, on a weekly basis, and to make it real in our own lives, because it's the very same Torah at Sinai. This is why this Shabbos is so very important. It's the post-revelation experience. And as mentioned, the post-revelation experience is far higher. We take that glorious, miraculous moment, and we say, what am I going to do with it? And what I do with it is so much greater. What's greater than the feeling of love? An expression of love. What's greater than a great idea? Taking that idea and making it real. What's greater than the music in your head? Making the music alive, a sound that others can hear. What's greater than the picture and the imagery in your head? Painting it on a canvas so others appreciate it as well. What's greater? What's greater? What's greater than, in terms of Torah, taking the Torah that you know and passing it on to others in an authentic sort of way. By being an example, by continuing to witness the word of Hashem. And this is why this Parsha, coming so soon, after Shavuot, the first Shabbos after Shavuot, we have to listen carefully to what it contains. Yes, there are a great many aspects of the Parsha. The story of the Leviim, the jobs, their duties, their responsibilities. The woman, the Sota woman, which is puzzling and difficult. The Nazir, the Nazarite. The princes who each gave a gift to the temple, etc., etc. Each one has a message. So when you're in Shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the Parsha. And you know what? Even before you get to Shul, perhaps today, perhaps tonight, Take a few moments, open a chumash if you have one at home, and learn a line or two. 
and see what it says to you and try to make it personal. Try to make it relevant. Try to understand those are the words of Sinai. What you do with it is so much greater. How you deal with it, how you make it your own, how you implement it into your lives, this is what makes it real. And this is why Nassau is such a special parsha. Make it a great parsha. Make it your parsha. Good Shabbos.